Hello, hello, hello. This is Joy, and welcome to the Joy of Social Work podcast. Um, if you are, <laughs> thank you. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. This is a podcast about all kinds of things related to life, mental health, and the importance of your mental wellness. And if you are returning, hey, 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 welcome back. Um, I'm excited about this today's episode. We have a very special guest, which always makes me excited. I'm going to have to talk to myself. Um, what has been going on in the life of Joy? Somebody broke into my car yesterday, which is annoying. I just like, my car is like the most annoying thing ever. Like I just, I should just give up on it because it just causes me so much strife. Every week I feel like I have a car issue. So yeah, I feel like that's all that's happened in my life. School year is coming to an end. Yay. All the kitties are going to be on summer break. And then I'll be like, oh, I miss them. And then September will come before I know it. Um, what else? Nothing really is going on. Yeah. So <laughs> this episode kind of, oh, this discussion and topic kind of came about with me not really knowing what to talk about for today for this episode. And something happened with a friend and I, and I like triggered something because I had been drinking, and then I was having a conversation with another friend, and it was kind of like, oh, wait, maybe this is like the universe saying, like, talk about this thing. So we're going to talk about this thing. So I would like to introduce my friend. Hey, friend. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for being on. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, wait, so what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> your story. Uh, oh. Yes. Okay. Whatever, whatever part of it you want. Did you want to like set the tone and say what we were going to talk about? Okay. I want that to be a surprise. It's a surprise. surprise. We're going to get there. Oh, we're going to yeah. get there. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. See, here I am like editorializing your podcast it's being okay. like, you made a mistake. I did it. You just flows. <laughs> you made a mistake. Okay, we're so gonna you get didn't to make it. a mistake. Okay. Um, see, this is why I shouldn't be a podcast. No, yes. you're great. Um, yeah, so my story. Oh, you know, I am a person. All right, where do I start? Where do I start? Okay, I need a question. I okay, need a question. okay. Tell me about the first time. Okay, we're talking about addiction. <laughs> Let's set it up that way. What was your first, was your, like, what was your, Drug of choice. Oh, and basically everything. Okay. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the first time you either got drunk, mm -hmm. high, or like, when was like the first time you were like, I really like this thing? That's kind of a tough question. Okay. I, um, well, I mean, as it's a parent, I am a former drug addict and recovering drug addict, as they would like to say. And um, I have been sober for a very long time. But um, let's see. I do remember the first time I got high. Uh, it was right after my eighth grade graduation. Mm -hmm. And I uh, went out with a friend of mine. I mean, it was just weed, you know, whatever. Um, pretty, like, normal stuff. I don't think it was super significant. I kind of don't believe in, like, the gateway drug myth and right. all that BS. But, you know, I think everyone in their story can remember, like, their first of something. Mm -hmm. So I do remember that I went out with a good friend of mine after... We graduated middle school, and his sister was in high school already. She was a couple years older than us, and I don't really know why she decided to take us to the, you know, the spot. Uh -huh. You know, the spot. Where there's you always get, a spot. Where you, yeah, there's always a spot, you know. We went to the local spot, 
And um, yeah, like we lit up. And I, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't really eventful. It wasn't there was nothing. There, there was nothing special about it. Right. I didn't think about it. I didn't read into it. And honestly, like I don't, I don't think it really created a mark on me or even set me down a path. Right. Do you feel like it was just kind of like a whatever? This is a thing that people do. It was exciting. That a bi- it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't. So okay, it was a big deal because it was oh yeah, right. Because <laughs> you were being like sneaky. Right. Yeah. Oh my god, some weed. But but it wasn't. I don't, I don't remember being high at the time. Yeah. I don't remember, like, thinking much about it. I don't even know when the next time I was after that that I got. Okay. Like, I don't remember when I got high again. Okay. Um, I just think I remember it because it just kind of feels like, okay, like, that marks the beginning. Okay. I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but at least the beginning of a path that I did go down, even though it didn't feel like, at the time, I sort of took any steps after that. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, so it was, like... Almost like a one-off, but not a one-off? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think part of what I, I really like about your story when I've heard it, when you've told it, mm-hmm. um, is that it seems like all of the like shitty parts of it, like of the getting better, mm-hmm. were like the parts that like make you the amazing person that you are today. Yeah, I mean, I think the best things that ever happened to me were, at the time, the worst things that ever happened to me. Yeah. And I'm definitely grateful for them, but... I mean, and we'll get to that. You know, I can be super specific, Mm -hmm. but... um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the best thing that ever happened to me was that I did turn my life around and get sober and start to go down a totally different path than the one I was going on, but... I think it also came with some pain. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to still live my life differently. What do you mean? Okay, so, I mean, we'll go back to the beginning, and, okay. like, I mean, and I can talk more specifically about the intricate parts of the story, but I, you know, when I was in high school, very quickly, like, deteriorated into basically never going to school, becoming very, very angry, you know, I threw chairs, I got suspended, I left class, I got arrested, I was hospitalized, I had social workers, I was kicked out of school, like... Was there, like, a thing going on that you felt, like, triggered these things, or do you just kind of, like... If, if looking looking back, is the, do you feel like oh I did this because of this or not really? At the time, no. Uh-huh. But I think in the big like in the grand scheme of things, I felt like it was almost boiling up over years. Okay. Like when I was a kid, I felt like, and I mean a kid like kindergarten, okay, first grade, second grade. I felt like I had like a how do I say this like an identity. Mm-hmm. And it didn't fit anywhere. Okay. And it became, like, very painful. And so I tried to, like, walk away from my identity. Okay. You know, like, I was a quiet, shy kid. I read all the time. And um, I actually was a tomboy. Um, And I felt like I made, like, you you know, every now and then you see kids who are just, like, really uniquely themselves. Yeah. And they don't really feel like kids. They feel like they have this like really like unique and distinct personality. Yeah, I can like think like, of a few. Yeah, right. And and I felt like I made those choices. Like I remember telling my mom, like, no, like I want to go to the boys section in Macy's. Like I don't know where that came from in me that I decided like I wanted to look like and be a tomboy. Okay. You know, um, I don't. I didn't think about my choices and the way that they might be perceived because I was a kid. I was five, right, I was six, right. I was seven. Right. Like right. I shouldn't be. Right. Um. And looking back on that, 
I feel like maybe that was sort of the beginning of all of it because mm-hmm. it became the things that made me feel not fit, not that I didn't fit in. Okay. You know, like I was made fun of. Um, so I tried to conform, you know, I was really quiet and shy, shy and sensitive. And so I tried to like not be, yeah. cause then I'd be made fun of, do you know what I mean? Right, right, be, right. You know, I kind of be a target. Um, and so I, I feel like I walked away a little bit from my identity and I tried to be more like what people thought I should be. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the most devastating part of that, that I think any adult can tell you is the more you do that the more you'll find you still don't fit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you're trying to like fit all of these other things from other people that like, it's still not you and still not even really what they want from you. Right, exactly. And then they'll make fun of you for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think I basically went like all of elementary school and all of middle school, like really, yeah, like trying to make myself fit. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just socially. um, I was not a good student. I think looking back on it, I probably had like a little bit of like attention span issues. Like I was a little bit of a daydreamer. Okay. And I think I saw things like differently. I was, I was artistic and I um, was in music. I mean, a musician. I I played music and I was artistic. You know, I was inclined to the arts, right? Yes. And so you were creative. Yeah, I was creative. And so I think because of that, it like, I was one of those little slightly weird kids that saw things a little differently in a way that like sometimes people are like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, And, I did, and because of that, because I was like in my head and because I saw things differently, like I just didn't do great in school. But then these teachers were always like, you know, your daughter has so much potential. Mm. Um, but like, and then it would be like the thing that I wasn't doing. I'm not applying myself. And I think that was also really hard for me. So it's like now I don't fit in socially, like I don't fit in academically. Like you're telling me I'm smart, but like somehow I'm never living up to your version of what I should be. Right. You know, like where in my life am I what people think I should be? You're like you know? not good enough in like any of Anywhere, these places. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. um I think I I started out as a little bit of like a depression, you mm-hmm. know? Like and I know that is a strong word to use for a kid, but I think if we all think but, back on our childhood, yeah. yeah, like kids have depression. Yeah, like yeah. I was sad. Yeah, you know, and um, I tried to fake it during the day, you know, and and put on like this act of yeah. like I'm cool, everything's good. But like I said, I, I just could never make it work. And so by the time I went into high school, you know, like I've had years of that now. Like, I've had had years of, like, not fitting in. I've had years of people making fun of me. I've had years of trying to be friends with people that treat me like shit. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because I think they're cool, so yeah. I'll tolerate their bullshit. Just so they can be around you. Right. Yeah. And, um... Which doesn't help the depression. Yeah. Because it kind of only feeds more it into, It feeds like, into, like, you're, like, I'm not... I'm still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, gaslighting yourself. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? And, um... But, I, like, you know... So I tried to put on this face and whatever. And, um, you know, I went into high school and I remember I had this really good friend. He lived across the street from me. Um, he'd been my friend and a family friend since I was four. And he was a, like, he was a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was someone that for whatever reason, he was able and still is able because we're still friends today to transcend what other people think. Like he's one of those people Ooh. that is stereotypically like, I'll be friends with whoever I want to be friends with. Right. And so he was friends with that sort of cool crowd, you know? Yeah. And um, I remember I was hanging out with him one night and and he was with the kids, you know, that I thought were cool, that I wished would accept me and embrace me and whatever. And um, 
they were like, you know, we were we were freshmen in high school, and they were really, they were looking for a spot to hang out. They were basically looking for a spot to drink, okay, you know, maybe smoke or whatever. And um, they were like, oh, where should we go? And I was like, oh, well, my parents are out. We could go to my house. Mm. And like that was it. That was a start. Suddenly, I was embraced. Like yeah. they like brought me in because you had a space that they could do the things that they couldn't do at their own home. Right. And you were like, cool. Right. Yeah. And so and and it, you know what? For a while, it was actually like. You know, as I, I, I did, like, the, I did fit in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to do that, like I said, it required, you know, being of service in some way. So, you know, we partied a lot at my house. Um, I started dating this guy. He ran with a different crowd of kids, like a little more hardcore, yeah. you know, a little more like, like they were troublemakers. They like, you know, they were like the riffraff of the city. <laughs> And, Get them um, out of here. You know, again, going back to the way that I kind of stripped myself of an identity, I think I never really thought about why does this guy like me? Do I like him? You know, do I do I fit in with him? Do I fit in with his friends? Like, I never, I don't know what I thought about. It was just sort of like someone embraced me. Someone yeah. wants to date me. Okay. Just like someone wants to be friends with me. Like, oh, okay. Like, not even like, it. it was like, not, it was bigger than like, do I even want to be there? Right. Like yeah, I never yeah. really evaluated what do I want. Cause like, I don't feel like I had an eye anymore. All that mattered was like, if you were willing to take me in, then okay. I was really willing to get taken in. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful though. Yeah. And, um, and so I did start to expose myself to, you know, like, a, like I said, a more like hardcore crowd of kids, you know, like we were like, I mean, these were kids that were getting arrested or they had already dropped out and they were doing harder stuff and they were dealing and they, you know, um, and they were also just like kind of going around the city causing problems, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. they were kind of the, the type of kids that would look for a fight or they would like smash in a car window just because or, yeah. you know, like just the riffraff. They, yeah. The riffraff. They were like the bad kids. Yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. And so now like, you know. <laughs> The backdrop of all of that is that um, I had some family strife, some, some turmoil at home. Um, my dad did drugs, mm -hmm. and um, so I also had access to them, mm -hmm. you know? And then again, I could also be of service, because I could, like, take his stuff, and yeah. I could, like, bring it to people and be like, look, like, look at me. Like, I have like, something to I offer have you. something else. Because, yeah, like, yeah. I, apparently, like, I, at the time, was not enough. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. like... What else can I give? Yeah. What can I give because yeah. it's not me? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't remember the turning point of when I became really, really angry. I think it started with just a little bit of, like, snarkiness and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it started with, I don't take anything seriously. Like, uh -huh. which probably came from this place of, like, you know, like, you can't make me cry anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and it just sort of devolved into just like cursing teachers out like I said you know just leaving like anyone that challenged me like I would you know go back with <laughs> I mean yeah like and I you know I got to the point where I wasn't going to school anymore like I think I was a sophomore I just like stopped going to school like I, my parents would drop me off or I would get a ride at like 7 30 yeah and I would you know get high I'd, I'd literally go talk to the social worker uh -huh. while high and then I would leave and it'd be like 8 30 and I would what was the appointments at the time of going to the social worker like because you didn't go to class yeah like I actually went to school to talk to her yeah that was the only reason yeah you know 
Um, and so did your parents know you weren't in school? Yes. Like, you know, it's so long ago now, Yeah. but you know, there was a point, it's like I said, I, it, I don't remember at what point all these things started happening, but it did get to the point where I was getting suspended. My parents were trying to push me into rehab, getting arrested. I'm getting hospitalized. Mm-hmm. I'm like literally like overdosing at certain points in school and mm-hmm. people come to pick me up wow. and I'm talking my way out of this and I'm like, you know, I'm fine. Um, you're, you're saying you're fine and they're like, okay, you're fine. Yeah, I think that they were also like, a, they were a little like afraid of me because I okay. could just lose it. Okay. You know? They didn't want to push too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I was just good at like switching the levels, you know, being like really mad, but then being like, you know, I'm really sorry. Like I'm not yeah. going to do it again, uh-huh. you know? And, um, and, and again, going back to the sort of home turmoil of stuff, like my dad was, I don't want to say he was absent, but he was at least emotionally absent in some ways. Um, you know, as an, as a child, I didn't realize the degree mm-hmm. that that is of what was happening with him. But as an adult now, like I can say, um, he was basically living two different lives. Okay. Like he had been cheating on my mom for, you know, probably my entire childhood. He still is to this day. Wow. He always has. Um, he didn't have a job. He lost it. He was like taking our money and just like, you know, going to wine and dine other women. He's also doing wow. drugs. Like yeah. he wasn't emotionally present. He wasn't really physically present. And when he You're was, like, mm. he would show up to try to like assert control over situations. Mm. But it was like, why are you here? Right. Like no one really respects you because you're not here. Right. Yeah. And also you're kind of gaslighting all this because like you um actually have the same behavior. Right, right. You know? Right. Um I don't know where I don't even know where what question I was responding to. This is why I shouldn't be a podcast. No, no, you're doing great. You're um, doing great. I wish that we could like be live and people could like be like <laughs> Yeah. Keep it up. Um <laughs> I don't know what question I was responding to, but um, you were just kind of like talking about your story and you were saying you you don't you kind of don't remember like when it got bad. bad and you were just yeah. kind of like talking through like the steps like, yeah, hosp- like kind of like, like talking you were talking about talking yourself saying like i'm gonna get better it's gonna yeah. be better i will stop and people kind of like being okay so when at what point did people stop saying like you're not gonna stop you know not never really yeah. like okay. so i think to the credit of a lot of my school staff and sometimes not to their credit because they had they had mixed approaches with me um, it really like wasn't my parents. Like okay. I think my parents, you know, my mom was very, and still to this day is very like, oh, what's the word I would look for? You know, my mom is very impressionable mm-hmm. because she's been in a marriage with a man who mm-hmm. is so controlling and so manipulative. Mm-hmm. So I think like, you know, she just. I don't want to say she didn't have a backbone, but like she kind of enabled the behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. Because like she, yeah, I, yeah, she didn't know how to step outside of her emotions about it and just yeah commit and seek out help. And like her and my dad weren't on the same page about it because for whatever reason. And so you know that really put them into sort of like a paralysis mm-hmm. of like decision making. Right, you know, right. like I cannot say I was ever grounded. Okay. Like, I know that that's appalling. Like, first, a kid that was, has been, like, arrested and has been <laughs> You got to go outside after that? Right. But, like, I don't feel that I was ever held accountable. Okay. Um, I don't feel that anyone ever really, like, 
yeah, like pushed me to, to change and mm-hmm. they never, you know, um, I, I think that, you know, addicts and alcoholics, they can be very manipulative and charming yes. and conniving. And ultimately, like if you're standing in the way of them living their life, yeah. the way they want to live their life, like they're going to get around you. Like that <laughs> is what it's going to, you know, like real. that is what is going to happen. That is real. And it takes a certain type of person to realize how many times the addict in your life has gotten around them mm-hmm. to really say like, no, no, yeah, you're not getting around me this time. Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes that can just take years, you know? Yeah. And, and for, and for you, it, it like, it ended. And like for some people it doesn't. I, and I think because I was a child and their hand was forced a little bit with the school system, yeah. you know, essentially like they, the school system had a meeting. My understanding of the story is, and I, cause I was basically high all day for years and mm-hmm. just don't really remember a lot of things, but mm-hmm. stories that have been retold to me about it are the school sat down and had a meeting with parents and were like, we're, we will call child protective services on you wow. if you don't put her into rehab cause it's bad and she's going to die. Yeah. Um, you know, I weighed like 92 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I was just living my life. It wasn't just the drugs and the things. I was living my life in a way that was like, you know, catastrophically unsafe for myself and other people. You right, know, I was right. going to driver's ed high. I was ingesting four or five different drugs at one time. Right. You know, I was going home with people that I did not know. I mean, I remember, and, and sometimes I, as an adult now, I think of those choices and I just... It, you know, it, it is actually a little emotionally overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I was 15, I went to Denver with my family. And um, I was out, like, walking around alone. You know, I'm, like, 15, whatever. Like, yeah. I, I, was, I think I was in, like, a um, like a resort complex. Okay. You know, like a resorty town. It wasn't Denver. It was, like, somewhere outside of it. And, I, and I, these two guys, like, started chatting me up. They were probably, like, 22, 23. So right. I'm, like, 15, and they're, like, in their 20s. Right. I'm pretty sure I was wearing a weed necklace. I don't know why my parents would like just allow that. Yeah. You know, from the I mean, but you do like but you do know why. Like for your dad, like what could your dad really have said that made you stop it? And your mom probably didn't want to have that fight with you. Right. Maybe my dad also had like stashes of meth, cocaine, and weed Uh, all over the house. So it was like So how like how can you how can you fight me about a necklace and you have the stuff right here? Like here it is. So um and my parents were also sort of that part of that mis at least my dad was part of that misguided philosophy of like, just tell us when you're gonna do it or just do it in our house. Like, uh-huh, so you know, we like know. I, and I think that made them feel more in control, but you know, obviously that you know, with different individuals is not true. Right. So I like but I went out like I left with these guys. Like this is before the days of cell phones. I mean, maybe I had like a Nokia. But you know, we're talking like, <laughs> like the very first this cell is phone. yeah, the very yeah. first of cell phones. Snake. Snake cell phone. Oh, yes, snake. Yeah, there was yes, snake on yes, that phone. Yes. Um, With a gray screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm also like in Denver, like I don't even remember, you know. And uh, I went, I left with them. I went back to their apartment. Yeah. We got high. And like, you know, by the grace of God, like I am alive and I made my way home. But like, I mean, just like, sit, like that. That's crazy. You're like that? Yeah. Anything could have happened. Also. You were a child. If my child did that, I would kill her myself. Well, we're going to get into that because (laughs) now you're a parent, but that's a, but we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm not a religious person, Uh but I do think of so many times where I am lucky to be alive. Yeah. And I, and I don't say that to be dramatic. You know, I also, so many people come up to me now that I've been sober for a long time and an adult and they're like, you know, honestly, you just sound like you were a kid. Like you were just doing what kid mm. things do. Like, don't you think you were like, you were just being a kid? Like I, I did that stuff too. And I'm like, you know, I, 
it actually kind of does bother me, but that like I feel like you're not seeing me. Uh huh. Like I because people do people try to because you don't drink right. I don't. Drink. And people, I'm sure, try to like get you to drink. I don't think. It, Is it like most that? Like that people won't try to get okay. me to drink, but they will almost try. Like it's like they doubt that I am truly. Okay. Like an addict or... Like you can do it. You like can do it now do because it? you'll yeah. be fine. You were just a kid. Like okay. it sounds, almost like as if they're saying we all overreacted. And, uh, but, and but, I think that like to that, I just... Like... I mean, I don't know how to say it other than... I am still... Yeah. That person. Yeah. Like I still sometimes just feel like a, like a depraved drug addict. Yeah. Do you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Because um, you're still like you're still that person. You're still yeah. in that body. You still have the memories that you can remember. You still have them. Like it's, it's a, still a part of you. Yeah, and I think like you know going to the things of just like the bigger issue of like mental health and the ways that um, like we think about addiction and the way that I think about addiction is like you know I know that we're sort of moving moving past this idea that it's a choice and we are starting to like say it's a disease and whatever, but. Um, I start, I start to think of it a little bit more now as like a compulsion, mm. you know? Um, and I think it has a lot, it is like related to other mental health disorders. Yeah. And I think like we need to start to make those connections mm-hmm. to like depression and anxiety and like OCD type compulsive disorders because it's not, like, it's not a choice. Right. Like it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's a choice physically, but right. like you, 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 you can pick something else. But a lot of times, I, for me, I think, like, and for me personally, mm-hmm. I think, like, sometimes it's, like, you pick that thing because it does, like, silence that anxiety. It does, yeah. like, like make those, help you sleep when you're really yeah. depressed and you're, or, or really anxious or both at the same time. And you're, like, I, like, am so unhappy yeah. and I can't stop thinking about, like, all of these things. Right. Let me have a drink and right. then I can go to sleep. Like, I'm going to come out of my skin yeah. if I don't go yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah. And, and I also don't think that people don't, like, people don't realize, like, how much it dominates your thought process. That, oh, yeah. like, you know, you sit there and you're like, I'm not going to. But then you're, like, literally talking to yourself, like, well, you know, like, it's not a big deal. What about just today? And, like, right. And, and, oh, but, you know, yeah. this thing happened. And, like, you literally talk yourself in and out yeah. of doing it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the way that I, like, an analogy I like to think about think of it as is um like similar to it being a compulsion is that it's kind of like people who are addicts they are a little bit like a broken like a i don't say a broken record but they're like a record stuck on loop like i don't know if you've ever seen like a vinyl record play Uh oh yeah when um you know at some point the pin gets stuck on a scratch or a piece of dust and it starts like playing the same thing over and over again you know and um, someone has to literally come and like physically move, move it. it. But the problem is that if you move it backwards before that track, like, yeah, if it's a piece of dust, you can clean it off and you know, it won't happen again. But if it's a scratch, it's just gonna happen again and again and again. Yeah. And um, so you need to move it forward, you know? Yeah. You almost need to forget about that portion of the record and like say, I'm not, not gonna, hear gonna it. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. Like, I, can't, I guess I can't play this record from the beginning. I right. guess I have to always start after that. And and for younger people, like think of a CD. And if you're younger than that, then it's probably yeah. you're not gonna understand any of these references. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, I don't know. I don't have any hope for you. Like, after CDs, yeah. like mm. Do you remember laser discs? 
What's a laser? You never got a laser. It was like a giant CD that was also like it was like the size of a record, but it was like a DVD. No. I mean, this is just a side. This no, is, no, you no. know, we should not get off track. No, but, no. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so. Yeah. So you have to move the, the pink you know, like, and, and, the and sometimes forward. you can do that as yourself, like as as yourself. You know, yes. like sometimes you 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 know they say a lot of like these slogans in the sobriety world, and um, you know sometimes you do realize that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, and you need yes. to stop picking up the pin and starting it before that sort of scratch. Yes. Um, but other times it does require you know someone else to sort of pick the pick the pin the you up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and move you and push somewhere. you forward and basically say like we life will never go back to that point yeah you know and and sometimes those circumstances are are fucked up yeah you know people go to jail someone dies um and and you lose a job you yeah there's sometimes very extreme yeah. um and i think those are the ty- that's the analogy i see as like sometimes people move that pin forward um unfortunately Sometimes people just still get stuck on another loop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know if that, that made sense. It does. What What was the thing that you think put you forward? So... Or what, what, yeah, what, what, what the thing, yeah. the person... So, I got sent away. Um, okay. I got kicked out of school and basically told, you have to go to, um, you know, this, like, special... I had, I had to go to high school at a rehab, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, and I got bussed there, you know, every day. Um, and I was still really angry, you know, like punching holes in walls and cursing the social workers out and kind of just like also trying to play up this almost like the opposite of who I was previously where I'm like crying all the time. Yeah. Every, every slight, you know, now I'm like, I will fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, pushing people away. Yeah. What do you feel like there was like this image that you now had to uphold of like, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also I think that. It was also this thing that was almost like my litmus test for people. Mm. Like, let me see how far I can push you away and if you if you even half come back. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you, you know, people have been saying all this bullshit to me for years about how, like, I'm smart, I have potential, or you care about me, and then they don't act that way, mm. or they don't have what I see as any evidence to prove it. Right, right. So, you know what? Like, let's try it another way. Let me push you really, really, really far away and see if you even have any interest in me at all. Right. Because this, to me, that's who I felt like I was. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, really? Like, you want to tell me I'm smart? How about if I do this? Now I'm not smart. Yeah. What do you think now? Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, oh my God, it feels like the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I got forced into this, you know, rehab, whatever, and I was still getting high every day, and they make me take drug tests, and I'm just bugging out, and I'm trying to, like, leave, trying to cut class from the rehab, which is a lot harder. And because um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's, it's security and things. Yeah. And um, one night I went home with this kid, you know, because it's a great social idea to pair active drug addicts <laughs> with other active drug addicts, you know. And, um, you know, we, I think I did about six or seven different drugs. Yeah. Um, pills, some hard stuff, yeah. some downers, you know, some over the counter random things. Yeah. Cocktail. Yeah, I did a little cocktail and um I I don't know. I lost the next twenty-four hours or so, I think. And the next day I had a little bit of a breakdown at the hospital during my rehab school, my school. Mm -hmm. And um they essentially just like hospitalized me in the psychiatric ward. Okay. You know, um they like sedated me and whatever. Uh 
And I woke up in there and um, my roommate was like, I think she's like schizophrenic. Mm. And there were other kids who were like, you know, running up and down the hallways of this adolescent locked psych ward, like naked. And I was like, what? You like, get me Hello? out of here. Hello? <laughs> Hi. Not crazy. Not crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the reality is like, I, my behavior was a lot closer to those kids than it yeah. wasn't. But, um... It was an awakening for me. Because you were like, what? Where am I and why am I here? You know, I'm not going to compare it to jail, but, like, there was a bank of payphones on the wall. Mm -hmm. That was the way you got in touch with people. Yeah. Like, you know, you were constantly monitored. You were escorted through places. You know, you had... Jail-like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For a kid, like, you know, for a kid, I was on a locked ward. Yeah. um, And I was being told, like, no, you have no control over when you leave. And uh, I remember... Another, like, so the, I, one very vivid moment for me is that, um, you know, I'm now playing up like sad girl, like, I'm so sorry. I can't, yeah. I don't know what I did. Like, <laughs> and um, my parents came to visit me and they brought me like some magazines and like a bird, like, what are you doing? You know, like, I'm saying, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. But they brought me like some Burger King and like, uh, or like maybe it was McDonald's. It was McDonald's. I, could, I could throw down a double cheeseburger in like 3.4 <laughs> seconds. So they brought me like a double cheeseburger and a Coke and like some magazines, you know? Yeah. And they're sitting with me in the family visiting room and this aide, you know, like a psych ward aide comes over and he's like, what are you doing? Like, do you know what she did to get in here? Like, what like are why are you rewarding her? Yeah. Ooh. And we were all just kind of stunned. Like, I'm like, in there, the I'm up living up my you. life with my double cheeseburger. <laughs> shut up. Like, and it, my parents, I remember them like in like slow motion, like pulling everything back to like their side of the table, like sheepishly. And, um, you know, again, I think I just was like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I did. I, I think I got that type of sort of like harsh but tough love treatment in there where it was like, we're not buying your bullshit. Yeah. We know. Actually, like, you have a problem. You have a really big problem. And this behavior's not normal. And we don't believe you. And um, they were trying to get me into another rehab, like another 30-day, real 30-day rehab. Mm -hmm. And basically, they were like, you are not leaving unless you are getting transferred, like, same day. Like, we're not letting you go home. You cannot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't, you know, know, I, I don't think it was a punitive thing. Like, I think they were really, really afraid that I was just gonna just, overdose or just do something absurd that mm-hmm. like ended up getting myself or someone else killed because mm-hmm. I was so reckless mm-hmm. and I just I just was so reckless with my behavior you know yeah. and um, my like understanding of its impact on people and the possible effects and um, I stayed in there for five days and then I got transferred to another rehab and I was there for about another, the other one for like about three weeks and it was kind of the same song and dance like I tried to get out early because it was Thanksgiving coming up and um and they were like, you know, no, like you'll go when we think you're ready to go. Mm. And uh, I ate Thanksgiving dinner there with a spoon. But I think it was humbling. Yeah. You know, like I think humility can come from your lowest moments. Yes. You know. Do you feel like you needed to have gone through that? Yes. Okay. I think I needed that to to be told like you're not in control. You know, you're mm-hmm. not in control of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not in control of. Like, you're not going to talk... You're not going to get this your way. Yeah. Like, everything else has always been. Mm. And um, I went home really wanting to try, you know? And... Um, but I guess, like, going back to what I said earlier about how, like, I'm so grateful that that happened 
But so after that, I did go to like a special school for like basically like I think it was like emotionally disturbed kids. Like they bust me up there. Mm-hmm. I basically laid on a couch all day where like I pretended to do busy work. Like I was like I was like a school for like fragile kids. Like yeah. I think they were just like we'll just, you know we don't um, want to we don't want to. But uh, I um. I, like, I, I didn't have friends when I came back. Like, I couldn't hang out with the kids because everyone was doing what normal 17-year-olds do, mm. which is, like, drink a little bit and, mm. like, stay out of trouble for the most part. Yeah. And, um, you know, no one was going to be, like... I don't know. I didn't know... The, maybe there were kids who didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't know them. Yeah. At this point in my life, I didn't know how to, like, ingratiate myself with them. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of went back to square one of, like, you're different. Mm. And now you just have to live with it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the way I've lived my life ever since. Like, yeah. I um, graduated high school, and you know, I did some different things before going into the career that I'm in now. Before you know, before going to college and all that. But um, you know, going to college, like it was the same thing. Like, I didn't go through a normal college experience. Like, yeah. I didn't get to go away and do what people do. I kind of feel. Did like, you want to go away, or did you feel like going away might set you back? I wanted to, but I don't know how I would have been able to construct that. Yeah. I, like, went to community college first. And, yeah, sure, I could have transferred mm-hmm. into one. But, uh, like, I just kind of <laughs> felt like that's not what people do. Like, yeah. you apply to an away college out of high school and you go. Yeah. Or you don't. You apply to a college near home and you stay home. Like, there wasn't, like, I'm not going to stay home and then start at a college In, like, way. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, like, again, like, now the past like 10 or 15 years of my life like I've just been trying to like be comfortable with just being a little bit different Mm -hmm. and now obviously as like a a real adult with children (laughs) I realize like everyone's fucking different like you know what I mean and it's not that big of a deal yeah but I do feel like I didn't almost like become myself until I was maybe like 28 that's what like, I feel like I became myself. Really? Yeah. Really? 28 was pivotal. Yeah. Like, like 25, I think, changed me. 28 was when I think I became Joy. Yeah. I don't know who the yeah. hell I was for all those other years. But like, and, and like, okay with who I am. Yes. Like, and I'm still like not fully okay. accepting. Not fully yeah. accepting, because yeah. like, of course there's still things, but like more accepting than you had ever been. And I think maybe that was partially because I got so far past the opportunities to make my narrative the same as everyone else. Mm. Like, I'm 28. Like, I'm not, I cannot go back in time and go to college and live in a dorm yeah. and party with everyone. Right, right. You know, like... It's not that great. And I can't... Right, like, <laughs> I cannot go back and make my story look that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think just for a long time, I was always fixated on, like, how can I make me and myself and my story look the way that I think everyone else thinks it should look and mm-hmm. what I think everyone else's is. And I, like I said, got to a certain point where I was like, well, I missed that boat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what other boats are there? Yeah. How about this boat that's called my life? Right. <laughs> Let me just get on this shit. Right. Yeah. Um, and that was hard, you know? Like, yeah. But, I mean, it... I guess, like, you know, you stick it out and, and you do learn to, you know, be in your own skin. hmm You know? Um, but that's why I say I think, like, that experience has impacted so much of my life beyond those years of, like, just being a person that's like, no, I didn't go away to college. No, right. I don't have friends from high school. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, like, I just... And, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Period. 
that's okay. That's it's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So another part of this, I guess, and another part of why this is an important topic for me is, I think I talked about it like before, but like my dad was an alcoholic, and like he would always say he wasn't an alcoholic. Alcoholics go to meetings. He yep. didn't go to meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I was in undergrad, one of the classes I took was like a substance abuse class. Yeah. Because my major is in human yeah. services. And so one of our assignments was to go to an AA meeting and mm-hmm. another one was to go to an Al-Anon meeting. Yeah. As I'm in the Al-Anon meeting, I'm like, you know, I'm here for a party. And I went with my sister. Yeah. And we have the same dad. Yeah. So I'm in this Al-Anon meeting and I'm like, oh shit, like we probably should really be coming here because our father is an addict and like no one talks about it and I remember like you know I like to say some of my dad's behaviors were because he was a Gemini as we were having our Gemini discussion earlier (laughs) but I think a lot of that was because he was drunk yeah and and you can be two totally different people when you are drinking and not drinking you know yeah I mean and like and sometimes the drinking is an excuse to be the person that you that really you, want to yes. be. Yes! And then, because I had a mom who loved... I love both of my parents so much. But, like, because my mom was an enabler, mm-hmm. like, I would get mad at some of the things my dad did. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, he's so mean! Mm-hmm. He's this! Blah, 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 blah! I don't, and, like, I was the kid that was like, I, didn't, I don't like confrontation to yeah. this day. Um, but I was good at, like, writing him a note and being like, I'm not talking to you. Because you're mean mm-hmm. and blah blah blah, and I'd leave it in the bathroom on the window yeah. because on the mirror because I'm like somebody's gonna go in the bathroom, yeah. someone's gonna read my note. Um, or, or even when I got older and he would like do things and I'd be like, he's a fucking asshole. Not in those yeah. words because I couldn't curse for mm-hmm. my parents, but like yeah. he's mean. Why don't you like tell him stop being mean? Right. Talk to your husband. Yeah. Whatever, and my mother'd be like, "Well, you know that's how he is," and I'm like, "Oh my god, that's the same thing my mom says." Oh my, my god, and it would drive me insane. And or I she like defends him. Yeah, or that too. He's an excellent father, and I'd be like, "Yeah, but like he's being, yeah. How we how we gonna get like to like he didn't come to my my dinner after my college graduation because he was like, I don't want to go, I'm tired." And I'm like, I'm I'm graduating college. This is a big yeah. deal. No, it's yeah. not. okay. So we're not gonna go. Yeah. But like, he wanted to like go home and do his own thing. Right. And like, so some of the, some of those like shitty ass decisions, yeah. and like my mom being like, well, it was a long ceremony, and I'm like, everybody sat through the same fucking yeah. long ceremony. Everybody else wants to eat. Like, there's a saying that, um, and I think this is why I get a little bit like, you know, kind of frustrated when people are, you know, oh, like, oh, you know how do you know you really like still have this problem uh-huh. and the saying is that it's um 90 thinking and 10 drinking Ooh. and i think that's why there's a part of me that's like no no you know i'm i got some fucked up thoughts in my head and <laughs> you know bring them out yeah and and i think that like the the reason that you know the drinking is sort of irrelevant to the alcoholism yeah because it's really how you talk yourself into drinking mm-hmm. and, you know, why you think you can't stop or, why, you know, that is um, the bigger issue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, as a parent, mm. mm-hmm. do you tell, would, would you, will, will you share this story about your life with your children? Yeah. I mean, we might leave out some details, or would you like to? Yeah, I would. I would tell them. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, over the years, I've seen. So, 
I, my children are not genetically my own. Mm -hmm. And um, I have thought about having my own, you know, biological children. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not my biological children, but they are my children. Mm -hmm. And I have... Um, cutest damn children. What? The cutest damn children. <laughs> they are cute. I've thought about having my own. And um, I am very... And I, like, I'm, you know, I make a joke out of this and everyone knows, you know, I think knows I have like a lighthearted personality. I yeah. joke around a lot and I'm very self-deprecating, but I am very, very scared to have a fucked up kid. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know what difference it makes if I tell my own children, you know, my non-biological children, but my children mm -hmm. that this happened because they don't have like history of this mm -hmm. in it's, their genes. Okay. Uh, that I know of anyways. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I've seen so many people over the years who've talked to their kids about their experiences and that person's even been sober like their entire childhood, like their child's entire life. Yeah. And their kid still turns into an addict. Mm. And so, like, I don't know what difference it's going to make for my kids yeah. to, to tell them of my experience, you right. know? Like, I'm hoping at the moment that genetics is on their side mm -hmm. and that they just don't have a predisposition to it, to yeah. it and they're not going to grow up in a home where their parents are, you know, exposing them to unhealthy drinking or drug habits, mm -hmm. but... I guess, like, I don't put, I guess the moral, what I'm trying to say is I don't put too much emphasis on sharing this stuff with them. I guess. Because I don't think that um, a strategy for preventing it is instilling fear. I agree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yes. Because growing up in it, I, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be like my father or my uncle. Yeah. On both sides. Right. You know, like, like. I was always afraid, or and I didn't drink at like when everybody turned twenty one or before right. twenty one was like I can't wait to start drinking. Right. And I was like, there are addicts in my family, even my sister, yeah. you know. And my sister blames her addiction on her dad, and felt like she, she in her her version of her story is or the way her story for yeah. her is that my dad gave her her first drink at thirteen. Mm -hmm. Me too. My father denied that. I was like that. nine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, and my father denied that, but yeah. that that's how my sister remembers it, and that's why she feels like she turned into drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And she didn't. <laughs> She's been sober now, I think, since I was about 11. Okay. So, like, 24 years. Wow, yeah. Um, or maybe a little less than that, because I don't know if, right, like, you know, and it, like, ended her her marriage, and she, yeah. like, moved and, like, yeah. started going to church, and, like, now she's a very different person than she used to be. Um, but she feels like my dad contributed to it, and I felt like, I'm going to avoid it, I'm going to avoid it, I'm going to avoid it, and then... Like, now I'm in a place of, like, maybe I should think more about, like, going back to, like, not doing it. Yeah. Because I, I can see it, like, on like on this day that my friend felt triggered, I was like, maybe it is a, a problem. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's an, it's an interesting thing because I do also think that sometimes people get really narrow visioned around, mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I have heard that so many times. Yeah. That, that people say... I am not ever, I never drink because my dad drank. Yeah. And then they'll be like, 
but I can't became a heroin addict and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like no, but it's yeah, really yeah, real for yeah, people. Yeah. Like being or not being your yeah. parents oh. is a real fucking thing. But I sometimes thing. think, I'm so glad you said that. Because I sometimes think the harder we try to not be our parents, the more we are them. Yeah. I think the, like, the more you're like, I'm not going to do this and this right. and this. I can be so enabling. Yep. I can be so nasty. Yeah. I can be too sweet. Yeah. Because those are all of the things <coughs> that I like know. Like yes. you fuck, like it's it's in you yeah. because it's part of your DNA yeah. and then it's like what you've lived with and sometimes people don't live with their parents they don't know their parents and right. they still are fucking them and, and you know what it's also one of those things of like I think that to approach anything from a deficit base of like I'm not gonna be this yeah. I'm not gonna be this yeah. isn't a way to live because ultimately like you aren't really ever forming yourself into anything so you're actually like losing control over shaping yourself yeah. because you're not, you don't have that intentionality other than to not be a certain way, mm-hmm. but then like you end up being another way, right? Exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, I don't, it's not so much that you shouldn't have a sort of like, what's the word, vision of who you want to be. You mm-hmm. absolutely should. I just think that it's almost useless to say like, I'm not going to be like my yes, dad. Yes. I'm not going to, and that, and you know what, to be honest, like that, and I'll be real, like being like my father is also one of my, you know, biggest fears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it, yeah, but I don't know your father, but I, <laughs> from what I know a little bit of, I don't think you're like your father, but you, that, that might mean nothing to you. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you can, you know, I, I don't know. I, I lose my train of thought, it's okay. but, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything. <laughs> but you you do know that you're awesome. Or I know sure. that you're awesome. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess like... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Is there any like... Really fell off here. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's great. Is there any like final thoughts or like any... Thing you would like to share with people? Any like suggestions? Yeah, or, I, I don't do. like the word advice, but well, um, I have two things. Was, okay. Two things that I have been thinking about a lot as I prepared to really come across like, <laughs> you know, profound <laughs> and pro- prolific in this I podcast. I don't really know what the word prolific means. Don't tell anyone. Um, okay. But I feel like people use it with profound. Yeah. Yes, so. yes. So, um, <laughs> You know, I know your, like, theme has been, like, Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. Is that over now? Are we over? It's over, Whoops. but it's Damn never it. over. Damn it. It's, it's May. Never mind. Like, no, it's fine. <laughs> We're done. <'Cause> we need- <laughs> no mental health. <laughs> but every every month should be Mental Health Awareness you, Month. And I'm so glad you said that because here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Here is my thought. Go. I guess, like, recently I've been really frustrated with this, like, term mental health because, mm-hmm. you know, other health. Yes. Other health. health. It's just called health. (laughs) And everyone has it, right? Everyone has a body that like functions or doesn't the way it's supposed to. And you you and that means that everyone needs health care, right? Uh Like, and you may not need a specialist at some point because maybe there's nothing going seriously wrong or dysfunctioning, but like on a basic level, everyone has a health system, which means they need health care. And Mental health is one of the few areas where we kind of start off yeah. 
in the specialty. It's like, oh, yeah. it's only for some people. And, and it shouldn't be. It's like, every all have a brain. We all have a brain. And we all have health, so we all have mental health. Right. And so actually, Spoiled I recently health. heard someone say that they prefer the term brain health because Ooh. it's more concrete. Okay. Like, like mental feels very abstract. Because like, mental feels like crazy. It feels like crazy. It feels like thoughts. It feels yeah. like things that yeah, you yeah, cannot yeah. see. Yes. And even though you can't see a brain, we actually have pictures of what a brain looks like. Yes. We have pictures of MRIs. We yes. have pictures of CAT scans. We know that brains turn different colors in those fancy yes. tests when different things happen. So we know that the brain is an organ that does things. And we know the brain is an organ that like organizes and controls our thoughts. Yes. And so why, why do we not think of brain health or mental health or whatever you want to call it as something that is for everyone. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? I agree. Um, and th that just really bothers me because, like I said, I do think that addiction falls into the category of mental health yes. um, just the way that it falls into physical health because yes. it can affect your physical functioning yeah. as well. Um, your, your whole everything. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, I would challenge people to think more about the, you know, sort of notions of mental health and who needs mental health mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I do think we kind of reserve it into the extreme corners of society yes. where also we almost act like there's nothing to do anymore. They need mm -hmm. mental health, but it's like, oh, really? Well, what is there out there for them if you've decided that, like, they're so sick? Do you right. know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Um... So that's one. And I mean, I guess like the other thing I've been thinking a lot about was like, you know, you know, I used to be more in like a sober community and, I, and I'm not anymore. Like I have some sober friends and I think, you know, they, they, they say like getting sober and, and participating in certain programs is a bridge back to life. And, um, you know, I really took that bridge and I, my life is really great and it's full yeah. and I feel like I am a, you know, competent uh professional yes. and I'm a parent and I have friends and I like live my life honestly and healthfully healthy healthily health health um we just don't know where words. we don't know words okay. where was I oh wait where was I oh but so I was like thinking like oh that's where I was I was like what do I have to offer to this conversation like it's been okay. so long um and I guess, like, the, the, my biggest takeaway that I want to, like, would want to say to someone, if, like, if you have a loved one who is struggling with an addiction, mm -hmm. um, and there's something that you've been holding back on because you think you're going to push them over the edge, mm -hmm. I would challenge you to do it. Okay. Um, you mean, like, say, say the thing or Say the, the thing, thing, throw okay. that conversational bomb, leave. Leave. Kick them out. Like, whatever it is... You know, I think that as going back to the broken record analogy, yeah. you need something in your life that picks up the needle and moves it to a different place on that record. And if you as a person in their life, a loved one of an alcoholic is going to do the same thing over and over again, yes. you are just contributing. It's not, yeah. I don't want to call it enabling. You are just contributing to them staying on that broken record track yeah. and getting caught in that groove. And it's scary. It, it is scary. And I'm not saying be unloving, And but this is my well, version. Well, like that, it's going to be an easy conversation. Or it's going to be an easy yeah. conversation. Or easy decision to make. But yeah. what I'm saying is break out of that pattern yeah. and try to move forward um, because, I mean, for one thing, 
you know, alcoholics and addicts, like they die all the time in the comfort of their mansions or of the homes of their parents Mm -hmm. or at their very, very nice jobs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you providing a comfort so that you think you're in control of the situation, you're not. Yeah. You know, and so I do want to say that to, like I said, the loved ones of people who are like, I don't know what to do for them anymore. It's like, do what you really want to do. Yeah. Do the thing you're probably most afraid of doing. Yeah, exactly. Do the thing you're most afraid of doing. And that's what I want to say because ultimately you might be afraid of doing that, but the reason is because you think it'll be your fault if something Mm -hmm. happens and it's Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be your fault. And the best case scenario is that you put them on a new path Mm -hmm. that they couldn't do for themselves and the worst case scenario is that, yeah, they're without another support person. Yeah. But you are also a person deserving of living your best and most happy life. And if that has to be further away from a drug addict or alcoholic that you care about, right. you know, you, you, you have that right. That's one. And if you are an alcoholic <laughs> drug addict, you know, I don't know. Like, what would I say? That you can live without it. Hmm. I like that. Um, because you're a person and you have blood flowing through your brains and you'll be alive. Yeah. And that whatever you imagine you're going to feel is probably a little bit worse than what you actually feel. Like you're probably going to feel like shit. You're going to feel like shit. It's going to be withdrawal is, is a thing. Yeah. yeah. Withdrawal, emotional withdrawal, yeah. like dealing with those thoughts. Um, I suggest finding a network and a community Mm-hmm. That can go through that with you because you can't do it alone. Yeah. But you need to do it with other people who've been through it. And that's yeah. not your that's not gonna be your wife. Yeah. It's not gonna be your mom. Even if they're alcoholics, I actually suggest you go out there and you find yourself some friends yeah. who are trying to recover also, you know, or who did recover. Um because ultimately like that social aspect. Yeah, those are the people you really yeah. need. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You did it! I did it! Thank you so much. This was not that interesting, though, so. What are you talking about? I think it was. (laughs) Okay. Okay, comment and let us know what you think. I think it was interesting. I think this is very helpful. I think there are a lot of people who are on either end of this conversation who this is going to be helpful for. I hope so. Thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.